This is Mid-Missouri's Total Sports Station. KTGR, and it's time to get big. That was a big-time answer right there. You've got the big show with Andy and Brent serving up sports talk from Mizzou to the pros. And everything in between. Join us now on the KTGR hotline and sound off on today's biggest stories in sports. The big show starts now. You bet it does, and welcome in to this Thursday edition of The Big Show on KTGR, KTGR KTGR.com, and worldwide on the KTGR app. Brendan Schaefer, producer Chris Mitchell. Well, we're here with you today. No Andy Humphrey still, but we'll hear from him soon enough. But we've got a lot to get to today, Chris, as we are one day away from the Cotton Bowl Classic between Mizzou and Ohio State down there in the the desert. Did you see the... uh, (laughs) The desert. the reference to, uh, yeah, I don't even know what they were what they were aiming for with that one on the social media post. But nevertheless, Mizzou, Ohio State, and we're going to have to talk about all the crazy things going on with the point spread of this game because it's kind of boggling my mind, kind of scaring me a little bit, but we're just a little more than 24 hours away from kickoff. And so uh, naturally on today's big show, we'll tell you who we've got coming up at 5.05. But in just a few minutes, we're going to talk a little bit of Chiefs. I know that's a painful topic these days. But uh, the Chiefs play the Bengals this week. Are they going to be able to get off the schneid after what happened to them against the Raiders on Christmas Day? We'll do some who you got for that game as well. And then, Chris, we are going to have it out a little bit because I'm tired of a few things. The ACC and the group of five and the complaining that people do about these different whether it was fair for Florida State not to make it and whether group of five should be automatically included in next year's playoff. And the the bowl games that have ensued the last couple of nights have me uh, on one. And you and I had it out a little bit on Twitter today. Are you ready? I told you, 4 p.m. flagpole. We're going to debate these matters on the radio. Are Uh you prepared for this discussion today? That's right. I got the straps dropped already like Kurt Angle. I'm ready to go. A a wrestling reference already, and it's only three minutes into the show. We like that. Uh, 425, we'll talk a little bit of... Uh, so the bowl games that have been played and uh, tied into my opinion that I don't think the group of five deserves an auto bid into the playoff next year when it expands the format to 12 teams. So we'll get into that and much more on today's show. 573-875-5847 to give us a call or a text so that you can weigh in on the topics of the day in sports. You can also interact with us on Twitter at KTGR Big Show or on Facebook at facebook.com slash KTGR Big Show. Now, the Big Show's Big Deal. Well, it's basically here. We're one day away from the Cotton Bowl, the game that we have been waiting for for the better part of a month as Mizzou will take on Ohio State. It's the Tigers' opportunity to, one, celebrate the 10-win season that they put together, but also to maybe prove themselves against one of the blue bloods of the sport. There's no doubt that Ohio State is that, regardless of who's a quarterback, regardless of who has opted out. That's what this game is going to be. The point spread has gone crazy. Started with Ohio State, favored heavily, and then all their opt-outs came in. Mizzou was a slight favorite before we found out that the Tigers will be without. Linebacker Tyron Hopper and cornerback Ennis Rakestraw for the game. They're still dealing with injuries and are not going to be able to suit up. And so now the spread moving back toward the Buckeyes. Tigers more than a field goal underdog as things stands right now. What does Vegas know? Well, hopefully nothing We'll do our Who You Got, see what we maybe know about Mizzou v. Ohio State coming up at 5.05, and that is the big show's big deal on this 28th day of December 2023, 875-KTGR to weigh in. Producer Chris, 
I'm excited. I want to talk Tigers, but we're going to save it. We're going to okay. save it for 5 o'clock. Sure. And right now, going to get into your Kansas City Chiefs, <sighs> the right. necessity to bounce back from the loss on Christmas. Or is it necessary? Is it kind of to the point now for the Chiefs where, like, they pretty much know they're going to win the division? I They could probably lose the rest of their games and still maybe have a chance to win the division, depending on how some tiebreakers would shake out. I don't think they're going to lose the rest of their games. But how are we feeling heading into this Sunday's matchup against the Bengals? No, no, no. It's not Mahomes v. Burrow. We aren't graced with that matchup once again. It'll be Mahomes v. Jake Browning and the Bengals, who are coming off of a pretty bad loss in their own right. How are you feeling right now about this matchup? I get the feeling we're walking into a matchup where both teams are like, yeah, we really don't want to be here, at least on some level. Like, I know... This is a pretty heated rivalry, right? It's always very physical no matter, you know, where it's, it's played. To be. Yeah, whether it be in the regular season or in the playoffs, there's always like a level of intensity that both teams bring because, you know, they're spiritual rivals. They're not really connected by like, you know, being division buddies or anything like that. No. This is about as real as it gets in terms of having like an actual football feud. And now the airs really come out of the tires for it. You've got, you know, injuries plaguing the Bengals, you know, Joe Burrow not being here for the rest of the season who's really, like, one of the key focal points for this rivalry in the first place. It's a quarterback rivalry, yeah, right? It's, like, that's the whole yeah, point it's Mahomes versus Joe Burrow, and you're missing, you know, the key focal point. There's still maybe some cloudiness around whether or not Jamar Chase will even play, oh, too. I hope he plays. I need him. I'm in several title matches for fantasy. We'll do Play Fate Eliminate, by the way, today as well. Yeah. And we'll do Picks of the Week, too. I <laughs> didn't set up the show very well. That's normally Andy's job. You're finding out why. But we will yeah. do those those items today because no big show tomorrow. We'll have our uh, Tiger game day starting at 4 o'clock, so you'll have Andy and me uh, here for that. But then Cotton Bowl stuff the rest of the way tomorrow. So no big show, which is why we'll do all those things. But, yes, I need Jamar Chase for some fantasy matchups. I just, I don't know. I'm not even looking forward to this game. Can I say it at this point? Like sure. I agree that the air is out of it a little bit. It shouldn't be from the Chiefs' perspective because they still have something to play for. They still officially need to lock up the AFC West. It does sort of, though, feel like a foregone conclusion that they will at some point lock up the AFC West. They'll do it this week. They'll probably do it next week. That's kind of where I'm at. The Bengals are not out of this thing. Like, they're 8-7. and They're Somehow. playing for their playoff lives, essentially. With I'm going to read off the 8-7 and seven teams in the AFC because there's a lot of them. You've got the Bengals and the Steelers from the AFC North. You also have two from the AFC South that aren't the division winner because there are three teams in the AFC South at 8-7, and seven, the Jags, the Colts, and the Texans. One of them will have to win that division. The other two you'll be vying, as if you're the Bengals, vying for one of those wild cards. So in a game that like we should be amped up about because there are implications on both sides, both teams could still find their way into the postseason, and the, the Bengals honestly probably need this one to get there. Why aren't we more excited about this game? Is it just because we know that this matchup is usually Mahomes v. Burrow, and since we're not getting that, we're just bah humbugging the whole thing? Is that where we're at right now? Well, I think, yeah, that's part of it, but I think that's part of the overall picture that we're painting here at the set. Both of these teams kind of been disappointing this year. Not even kind of. They've been pretty disappointing this year for a lot of different reasons. The Chiefs, obviously, have a good defense, but the offensive, you know, impotency is just not it's just not what you want especially when you have a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes who's still pretty well in his prime I know some of the past catches around him aren't but you know it's still something that you want to have 
working in high order, especially when, you know, there's still so much time left on his contract. There's still so much to do in the AFC. And then you got the Bengals who have just been snake bitten with injuries all season, man. And it right, they have with, an excuse. Yeah. They at least have, and I honestly, to see them at eight and seven, I'm impressed by that. When you take away the quarterback, which is the whole thing, I would have figured this team would completely fold up shop. Maybe Jake Browning deserves some credit for that. I think the the team around him deserves some credit for that. For the Chiefs, though, you're right. They've been disappointing. What's their excuse? They don't have... I guess technically they've also had some injuries to pass catchers. And at times, different guys on the defense have been banged up. I know on the O-line they've had some injuries here and there. But it doesn't feel like the gravity of you lose your quarterback for the season and have to find a way to bounce back from that. The Bengals have have gotten up off the mat, so they can, they've can they shown at least a little bit that they can handle adversity. What are the Chiefs going to do with their adversity, their, their self-made adversity? Because they created the situation, whether you want to talk about it from the top down in terms of the front office allowed them to trot out this group of pass catchers and didn't do anything about it in October when they could have at the trade deadline. If you would like to just blame coaching because they haven't necessarily – work well with what they do have or you want to blame the players you want to blame Patrick Mahomes for not being able to do more or for voicing his frustration now that it's gone so bad I don't think I think we can all understand that if we were in Patrick Mahomes' shoes this year we would probably be blowing a gasket as well and that's starting to be kind of his reaction on the field but like whatever you want to blame the Chiefs made this that they created the situation the Bengals man they're just trying to do the best with what they've got and that's a backup quarterback who's who's playing pretty well and keeping him in in some of these games. Like again, last week I think they lost like thirty four to eleven. wasn't pretty. But that being said, like they've at least shown the ability to handle adversity. How will the Chiefs stack up in this one against a team that probably can at least convince itself that it's playing with house money? Like, hey, nobody expected us to be in the playoff mix after the injury to Joe Burrow. Now we're here. Let's see if we can still slay the dragon, beat the Chiefs without Burrow, and have that be the thing that catapults our team into the playoffs. Like I think the Bengals won't have to search far for motivation this week. What are the Chiefs going to be feeling, though? Because the Bengals almost maybe need this game more, Chris. Yeah, it's a really tough situation to be in. It's funny, when we talk about the Bengals being able to get off the mat like that, I do think there's a credit to be had for the Bengals front office for being able to put this team together in the first place to where you still, even if you don't have Joe Burrow, you have guy like Jake Browning being able to throw passes to guys like Jamar Chase, to guys like T. Higgins, have a guy like Joe Mixon back there as well, having you know a pretty respectable offensive line. Another kind of got exploded by the Steelers, but still, the way the team was constructed, the way you know it's been coached, really feels like y- you can lend itself more to like a next man up mentality to where it's not a total bust if you don't have your you know all pro quarterback you know slinging it back there. Whereas you, if you look at the way this roster is constructed on the offensive side for the Chiefs. Buddy, I don't know who you throw in there to make that engine go. I don't know if it's like you need to get Mahomes up on like the right side of the bed. I don't know if you can drop like Lamar Jackson in there and make it effective, like Josh Allen, Joe Burrow. I don't know what you put behind center at the quarterback spot to make that thing work. Yeah, maybe more mobility, but there's nobody to throw the ball to. Yeah, it's just like that kind of season. It's like that kind of nothing's working thing where it's like, yeah, a quarterback swap isn't going to fix this. There's a lot of stuff that needs to be fixed. A lot of it's going to have to be done in the off season. It's probably going to take multiple off seasons, but I do see a path here where the Chiefs are just kind of like, all right, let's just survive the regular season, survive the wild card spot. Uh, if we get to the divisional round, hooray. 
But now we really need to focus on retooling and figure out what the heck we're actually going to do here because you've got, you know, Travis Kelsey in sort of like the twilight of his prime gearing down a little bit here. I don't know if I've said this on the show. I think this is his last season. Last season? I don't think think Travis Kelsey plays another season. I think he retires after this year. That's been my thought. I think him and Jason, his brother, go out together. Oh. And they get McAfee money for their podcast, and that's what they're doing now. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. That's going to be – that. that's my bold take. I should have saved it for when Andy was here, but you brought it up, so I I, I thought this would be a good time to unload. Uh, yeah, I, I think – I don't know. I, I don't know why I have that feeling, but if you're Travis Kelsey and you know that you can still play at a high level, but it's really hard right now and Almost not as fun every week. Yards. Yeah, no, he's playing fine. Like, that's the debate that I have with Andy, like – I push back on the idea that Travis Kelsey has lost a step. I don't think he has. I think everything around him has lost a step, and so it Many looks worse. Even. And when you and when you have moments where he misconnects with Mahomes or he drops a ball, then you're like, oh, see, it's proof Travis Kelsey's no good anymore. Or you can go with the narrative that oh, he's distracted. It's Taylor Swift. Like, no, I think it's just a matter of a lot of things culminating at the same time, and it might just be easier to go, man. If it's going to be this difficult, it used to be easy. It used to be fun. <laughs> Me and my boy Pat, we would just go out there and play catch, and we'd win a lot of games, and every couple of years we'd win a ring. It was awesome. This is hard. I'm out of here. I, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying it would be a very understandable timing yeah. to go, you know, maybe I just don't need this anymore. Jason Kelsey, by the way, could play for as long as he wants to. They showed a great camera angle in the, the Christmas game of – how just how low he gets on that tush push and the fact that he's basically doing the whole thing. Like I know Jalen Hurts squats six hundred pounds and everything. Jason Kelsey is the is the reason that that play works for the Philadelphia Eagles and it doesn't work for anybody else. They don't have Jason Kelsey, so he could keep going, but he's like you know kind of old for a football player. So I figured that maybe they'll potentially go out together. I'm not a hundred percent sure. That would just be my kind sense. of inkling as to what they might do. I don't see why. But, uh, that's just kind of my thought. But let us know, 875-KTGR, if you have thoughts on how the Chiefs are going to handle this game against the Bengals. The spread, and it is a part of our picks of the week, Chris, so thinking ahead a little bit on that. The spread is like Chiefs by a touchdown. And I know that a 37-11, to 11, or pardon me, 34-11 to 11 loss for the Bengals to the Steelers last week is maybe coloring that a little bit. But did people not see the Chiefs lose to the Raiders? I, are you surprised that the Chiefs are favored by... As much as a touchdown, maybe more in some places in this game. I I really do kind of get it. I do think it's boiling down to, all right, which quarterback do you trust more in this situation? Do you trust Patrick Mahomes to all of a sudden get this thing to click and make it work? Or do you trust Jake Browning to continue to play out of his body and getting the ball to guys like Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, all them? I think it's an understandable slant to take. Maybe it's not the one I would take off the I mean, jump. I would, if you if you frame it that way, sure, I'm going to take Mahomes. But what the Chiefs have is a great quarterback and nothing else. What the Bengals have is they don't have their quarterback, but they kind of do have everything else. Like you mentioned, all the weapons that they have offensively. That meme, by the way, that was that circulated regarding Jamar Chase, and I think it was Panay Sewell <laughs> when that draft class. Yeah, they're that's that circulating now with with guys like Joe Alt the offensive lineman uh, from Notre Dame, and then, you know, Malik Neighbors, whoever the wide receiver in this class is going to be that would be in the Joe Alt range. <laughs> People are, are repurposing that meme, which has been disproven because I think definitively the Bengals made the right call when they drafted Joe Burrow's college teammate and got 
got the guy in there, um, Jamar Chase. But nevertheless, I, I don't think you can frame it anymore as a quarterback battle when the Chiefs are playing football games. Because if that were the case, they would win all their games and these problems that they're having wouldn't be happening. It's a lot more. You need a quarterback. It's a must. And if you don't have a great one, you're probably in trouble. If you do have a great one and he gets hurt, you better hope you at least have a serviceable backup. I think that's what the Bengals have with Jake Browning. But I can't do the game of, well, it's a, the Chiefs got the better quarterback, so they'll win. I don't know if that's going to work anymore. Chris, I, we'll do our score predictions in a minute. I think the Chiefs probably do win this game, but I'm not sure it's going to be comfortable. I just I thought the change game was going to be Christmas. I thought that was going to be the game where we go, okay, they figured it out. They're stopping the playing with their food and all of this. They're just going to go beat a, an inferior team. And the Raiders were like, no, you've got another thing coming because we are motivated right now. We are playing for an interim coach that maybe the players want him to stay too. I mean, that's the way it looks with uh-huh. Antonio Pierce in Vegas. The Raiders, I don't think the Chiefs expected what happened on Christmas Day. But I came into it thinking that was going to be the game where they woke up. I don't want to get God again necessarily by predicting that this is going to be the game where they wake up. But on some level, do you think the embarrassment of Christmas can motivate the Chiefs into kind of straightening up their rows and dotting the I's and crossing the T's a little better to outplay the Bengals that they probably should beat handily? At least Vegas seems to think so. Is that a possibility for you? Yeah, I think so. I mean, given the recent history between the two teams, it's not like, you know, they've just been sleepwalking in every single matchup they've had with the Chiefs, and the Chiefs have just kind of steamrolled over them, like uh, that might have happened with the Raiders for, like, the last couple of years. I think there is a tangible, you know, feeling of, this team is dangerous. This team is going to get you if you are not careful. That is still a very good defense they have. That is still, you know, a bunch of very talented pass catchers that they have. I feel like if I had to, you know, map out the game plan for the Chiefs here, or if I had to match up, map out the strategy with which they win, it's probably going to have to start on the defense, man. They're going to have to have some kind of repeat of like that AFC Championship game where you just get after the quarterback at all times, just keep him uncomfortable. Like no matter what happens, you're probably going to have to get a lot of sacks. You're probably going to have to force at least a turnover, maybe get a couple of them. And then, yeah, you're probably just going to have to trust your very, very good secondary, by the way, who was able to put the clamps down on them the last time. We just have to do that one more time. And then if you win, congratulations, you punched your ticket to the playoffs officially, finally. And if you don't, whatever. I mean, the Broncos are starting Jared Stidham, so. (laughs) That's the thing. Like, I can't take it seriously that the Chiefs could fail to win this division when one of the two teams that could conceivably catch you is giving up by benching their starting quarterback, who, like, I know that Russell Wilson has been a disappointment in Denver, which it it makes it interesting to think about the fact that Sean Payton took that job. Did he even think at the beginning, like, yeah, Russell Wilson's beyond saving, but I, I, I think I can convince them to get rid of him after a year? Like, I don't know what the thought process was there, but they don't even care about that. Like, they don't even think they can beat the Chiefs. Maybe the Raiders do. I don't know what the, the tie break would be if they ended up tied or whatever, but nevertheless, Chiefs are probably going to win the AFC West. I just don't think they're going to be doing this in emphatic fashion. 573-875-KTGR to give us your prediction for Chiefs-Bengals. But, Chris, we'll do ours now. When I put the Picks of the Week sheet together, the games from which we choose, about 30 minutes ago I did this, the Chiefs were minus 7. Well, now they're down to minus 6.5, but we're sticking to the minus 7 for the sheet. But I just wanted to see, kind of give you the lay of the land before we do our official predictions here. Who you got, Chiefs or the Bengals? Total, by the way, is 44 points. So if you're trying to pick a score that, at least, you know, could be conceivable. That's the the number you're working with. 
Um, let's do 2017 Chiefs. Let's try that one. You'll Ooh, get a, that's disgusting. You'll, you'll get a game feels, winner from Butcher or something. It feels very plausible. Um, man, I want to say something like 23-20 Chiefs, but I don't mm. even know if they can score that many points. I think they can. I think they. I think we'll see some signs of life from the passing game this week. I think we'll have a few plays that disappoint us defensively. Most importantly, though, I don't think Patrick Mahomes is going to deliver gift-wrapped 14 points in a seven-second span to the Bengals the way that he did the Raiders. So I will go with 23-20 Chiefs. I don't know that they cover. I may have to scrap with you on this one for picks of the week to see who gets to pick against the Chiefs. (laughs) Or maybe I'll dial you up because uh, I did win last week, so maybe I, I I set it on a tee for you. And see if you uh, and see if you knock it four hundred yards. But that's where we're both at. We think it's a close win for the Chiefs. Let us know what you think at five seven three eight seven five KTGR. You can call us. You can text us today on the Big Show. Take a break though, and when we come back, we have a little bit of a ACC debate because I like to rag on the ACC. I like to rag on the Group of Five. I have an SEC superiority complex. Chris doesn't. So we match up well in that regard. That's coming up next on The Big Show. You are listening to The Big Show Podcast on KTGR.com. All right, so let me paint you a picture, okay? Here's what I want to talk about. Tulane, good little football team. They lost in their conference championship game, so they didn't get the crack at the New Year's Six, right? That ended up going to Liberty, who is a million-point underdog against Oregon. And what is that, the Fiesta Bowl, Chris? Uh-huh. I think it's Fiesta. Yeah. yeah, it's the Fiesta Bowl. All right, so they didn't get to, but they were really close. If they hadn't gotten upset by SMU in their conference championship game in the AAC conference, well, Tulane would have gotten that spot. And SMU, darn near, with by the virtue of their win, leapt over Liberty in the CF rankings. That was the decree by which you get to be in the, the New Year's Six. The highest-ranking group of five champion, I think, is the the wording on that. Yeah. So they didn't quite get in, but they were really close. All right, those two teams have played their bowl games. SMU and Tulane have played their bowl games. They lost to ACC teams who went 6-6 six and six during the season. Boston College beat SMU today 23-14. to 14. And I think Boston College was like 10-point underdogs, so that wasn't supposed to happen. I understand that Tulane had a lot of guys opt out of their game against Virginia Tech yesterday, but Virginia Tech won that game 41-20. to We know that the ACC is rotten and no good. How do we know that, Producer Chris? Well, we got another example. Other than just having Florida State left out of the college football playoff, which I know Andy had some feelings about, and I, I said good on him. I cannot wait for Monday to watch those games because they put the the right teams in. Louisville played their bowl game yesterday as well. They lost to USC. And you might be thinking, wow, USC, I mean, they were like top five earlier in the year. Yeah, they were. You know how many games they won, Chris, during the regular season, USC? Um, They won like eight or something. They didn't even get there. They got seven wins during the regular season. Seven and five. And the the champion, the 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 team that we were supposed to believe was good so that Florida State could feel good about having some nice wins on their schedule. Well, they lost 42-28 to to USC, who, by the way, didn't have Caleb Williams. They didn't have their starting quarterback. USC, one of the worst defenses in the country, just terrible defensively. 
I'm sure there were opt-outs on all sides. Like, that's going to be the obvious excuse. People say, well, the opt-outs, the opt-outs. Yeah, okay, whatever. That's great. I don't understand why, first of all, anybody could watch Louisville lose to that USC team and think, yeah, Florida State was wrong because if you don't have Louisville as a quality win, which it wasn't, we knew that when Kentucky beat them. But if you don't have that, you got LSU that you beat in early September. I get it. You won all your games. And it's not Florida State's fault. I don't blame their coaches. I don't blame their players. It's it's unfortunate for them. They didn't do anything wrong. But their resume isn't very good because they basically played a group of five schedule this year. And I feel like these bowl games are only sort of reinforcing that element of it. Now, maybe that's confirmation bias, Chris. I'm going to give you the opportunity here. My whole thing with this is the right decision was made about Florida State, and these games prove it. If two six and 6-6 six ACC schools can beat group of five teams, I will extend that argument to then say, we got to stop it with the idea that next year when it really matters and one of these teams gets a playoff spot and not just a New Year's Six Bowl, that there should be an auto bid for the best group of five in a given year into the college football playoff. That's my stance. That's my platform, Chris. I'll give you the opportunity to respond. I know you don't you don't have the same SEC superiority complex that I do because when I said this on Twitter today, you retweeted me and basically took a shot at your own school. And you're currently wearing a Wisconsin sweatshirt that I just noticed. So what is the matter Bad with you? Up. And why can't you just take my side on this? But what are your thoughts here to, to everything I've said? It's funny that you mentioned Tulane of all teams because when you looked at a team like Tulane, especially last year, where they're you know coming in with a full head of steam, they were you know motivated, they were hungry, they were ready for something, and they got paired up in that Cotton Bowl with USC. They won STP, it. and that yeah, was, they did win that game. Yeah, and that was a New Year's Six Bowl. So I feel like yeah, it was yeah. It's for me. It's kind of understandable in the sense that like you know, we we kind of do a lot of confirmation biasing when it comes to like bowl season which is funny because they're all exhibition games you don't really get a whole lot for playing in them i mean we see that with people opting out all the darn time we see that yeah, we turn coaches. around and say they don't matter too we're yeah. like i'll admit that they don't matter but i'm using it to but to listen this is why they all need no it's like, <laughs> bowl games are in such a strange spot right now and i feel like that might change a little bit when we get to the expanded college football playoff when there's more I guess, on the line when it comes to having some of these bowl games tied in with the playoff. That's my thing, though. It's like, how many, from 1 through 12, how many of those teams in, like, the expanded playoff could be from, you know, they can be, like, the auto bids for, like, the ACC, like, the pack, whatever. It can yeah. also be, like, the, you know, like, the second or third best in, like, the Big Ten and the SEC. How many of those teams that aren't, like, number one or number two are actually going to threaten like number one and number two in those rankings. I think a decent number of them could. I mean, so we could look at it from this year. There's only two unbeatens in the in the in the college football playoff. Obviously Florida State would be a third and I guess Liberty would be a fourth because technically they'd be in. Uh, Oklahoma is number twelve in the CFP rankings, but the the auto bid for a group of five would put Liberty in as the 12 seed if it were this year's standard. So you'd have Florida State, which I here's here's a fun question. If it were a 12 team playoff this year, what would the top four of the rankings be? Would it be the same? <laughs> because I would say definitively it would not be the same. Uh, I think Florida State would be in the top four and they would get a bye by virtue of. Yeah. Uh, don't you agree? Like they might. 
it, I don't know if that's right or fair, and, and you could then turn around and put it on me because I said I liked that they were left out of the playoff this year. But I think if it didn't have that level of implication to have an Alabama or a Texas above Florida State, I don't think they would have been. I think Florida State would have been three if this were a 12-team playoff year. That's but that's kind of just a side a side quest. Go ahead. <laughs> that's funny. Like even I feel like with the expanded playoff, and you give you know the first four teams like a bye. I feel like that doesn't really change the weight of the structure of the playoff, really. Because okay, you're in the playoff. Awesome. Uh, you need to play at least like one game to advance. All right, cool. All right. You congratulations. You won your game. Uh, now you get to play a team who's fresh off of a bye. Um, have fun. Good luck with that. It's kind of like how in the NFL, it, it's like a not like a completely minuscule number of teams that actually advance to the Super Bowl if they have that buy, but it's like, a, you know, eight or like eight and a half or even like a nine times out of ten, the one seed or whatever team has the bye week going into the playoffs. They are the ones who are most likely going to carry the torch for, you know, the AFC or the NFC. Because they got to play the fewer games. Yeah, they got to play fewer games. Yeah, so I do think there is going to be like that extra premium, and I feel like there'll be people with some, you know, chapped shorts about it. If they're like, oh, really, this Florida State team is getting that bye week when it could go to like a Georgia or like an Oregon or something like that. So what I think it really does is just kind of change the conversation a little bit while still kind of like maintaining like the same substance of this top four really has to be like capital C correct or whatever. Or otherwise, it'll be like, well, what the heck are we doing here for this playoff format? Well, I think the great reward, though, for that team that gets ranked fifth is a home playoff game. Like, yeah. I I'm not saying I'd rather be five than four, but if I'm Missouri next year, I'd rather be five than four. Like I, I, it depends on who you are, right? If you're if you're a school that has never had uh, that, like Missouri's never had that. Missouri's never been in in a, a national championship game like that. I, for me, and I don't know, maybe you think I'm crazy. This will be something we can probably debate as it gets closer because I think I think Missouri's going to be in the mix. But as I just sit here and think about it now, I'm like, if it were a debate between Mizzou getting that number four, say they go, you know, I don't know, 11 and one, and, and then they win the SEC championship, or maybe they're, I don't know, maybe there's two teams in the SEC in the top four, and it, Mizzou is on that line. I would be like, I, it's okay if, if you put Mizzou number five, you're going to play next year's Liberty, which it could be scary for sure, because the expectation would be to beat that team. But I'm just saying it would be cool to host a home playoff game. But I, looking at this year's crop, Chris, like conceivably, I'm going to say, I'm going to talk about Florida State, could, but conceivably, could number six Georgia beat anybody in the country? Yeah. Yeah. Ohio State, I think they could probably conceivably beat anybody in the country. Sure. Oregon, probably unless it's Washington because they yeah. had two tries they, at they that. They it. didn't do it. They just know it for some reason. They're number eight. Missouri is number nine. Look, I'm going to say would Mizzou probably have won the national championship this year? Probably not. But if they're going in, they're going to get to play Oregon in that 8-9 game, and then they'll get their crack at you know Michigan or whoever it would have been at number one? Probably not, but that's that's I can't answer that definitively. Mizzou took Georgia to the wire at Georgia this year, right? Like, I'm not saying Mizzou's a, a top-five a top team in the country, but I think they're close, and I, I think conceivably teams in that 9-10 to 10 to 11 range yeah, they could probably do it. So I don't know. I I think it's great to see the situation where the college football playoff, but I don't know that we need group of five getting an auto bid. <laughs> like that's where I, 
I get it. Last year's Tulane, a much better example that would have been more compelling. But like if a team if a team is not even in the top twenty, like they're not even close, I feel like at that point, yeah, give me Oklahoma this year's number twelve playing Florida State instead of Liberty playing Florida State. Although this version of Liberty could probably smoke this version of Florida State because the ACC was terrible. And like that's part of this too, right? Is these other conferences that are considered power five, that's not really a thing, right? The pack, the pack is not even a, are they going to be, they, I don't know. They got to figure that out, but I can't imagine next year's pack 12, whatever it is, if they do anything at all, getting an auto bid. So they'll have to redraw it up anyway. And the ACC, I don't think even again, this version of the ACC, the fact that they're going to get auto bids in perpetuity, I just don't think that they're that kind of conference. And so maybe my take is to get rid of the auto bids altogether and just let the ranking speak. I don't know. What, are, what Where are you at on this? Because I know I'm, I'm hurting the sensibilities of the little guy and, you know, that every everybody should have a shot. Last year's Tulane should have had a shot. But I don't know. It seems like more years than not, we're going to have a situation like this year's Liberty and it almost was SMU or Tulane, and those teams just aren't of that caliber. Here's my question, and to t- kind of tie this into March Madness, because I feel like that might be a pretty apt you know, comparison here for our purposes. Would you give all of that up if that also meant you didn't get to see like a St. Peter's being, beating a Kentucky in the tournament, having like that kind of situation happen? Would you give all of that up for like, you know, like a Princeton beating an Arizona or something and doing nothing else? We don't talk that? about Princeton. We don't talk know, about that. You beat Arizona though, because and then they, nothing else happened. They did they did something else after that that we don't like to think about. No, I mean it's a good comparison because in college basketball, right, I love it, unless it's happening to my team. Yeah, back I off. love seeing I love seeing the little guy be able to have a shot. And so, yeah, I'm probably too far up the the SEC superiority complex, but like legitimately I think we can know on a year in year out basis especially when you add Texas and OU to this conference like Liberty is not going to be able to touch the seventh best SEC team most years do I like the best SEC team this year I mean I could look based on the rankings they're all going to be the can I include Texas and OU because that's that was the point I was trying to make so Uh, I'm going to include them when I do this you have Texas Alabama Georgia's three Missouri four Ole Miss five Oklahoma six LSU at 13th in the country right now. Like, that's what you're talking about. Yeah, I think that team has a better chance to... LSU, defenses, issues and all, I think would have a better chance to win the national championship than than a, a Liberty would this year. But I guess your point is they don't have to win the national championship. They could win one game and it would change everything for that program. It, it feels almost, though, like a Hunger Games kind of thing. Where we're yeah. like, we're going to let the little guy have a chance, and they're going to get clobbered almost every time. But maybe that one time they don't get clobbered. Like this year would have been a perfect example, honestly, because of Florida State, if they were number five with without their starting quarterback, the Rodermaker kid probably wouldn't have transferred out hmm. because he'd be playing in a playoff game. But like they still would, you could make the case that Florida State would not be more than a touchdown favorite in that game. I don't think against Liberty, who didn't play anybody all year, but they went undefeated. So maybe this would have been the year to to try and test that out. I just think a lot of those 5 versus 12s are going to be brutal games, and most of the time, the 5th or 6th best team from the SEC 
or I'll even be willing to throw the the Big Ten in this, like the fifth best team from the Big Ten next year. I think on a neutral field would be would be favored by at least a touchdown over whoever the group of five representative is next year, and I, I that's the thing. Like if you really want the best champion, I think you could include no auto bids and just kind of let the chips fall where they may. But also, I do hear how it sounds. I hear that it's like you're giving up the <laughs> opportunity for the St. Peters to happen in college football. And that would be, like, imagine social media on that day. Like, that would be crazy. And imagine the the stories that would come from that campus. It would be legend forever. So, from that element, I think I might as well embrace it a little more than I have, Chris, given the fact that I think eventually my point of how good the SEC and Big Ten are compared to everybody else is just going to cause it to be its own league, as I've been saying. You'll get the Super League, and it'll be in college football, and they'll just play each other a bunch. And that'll be the way that it goes. But until that happens, maybe I should be more willing to stand up for the little guy. Let us know what you think. 875-KTGR. Give us a call or a text on this or any other topic today on the big show. But we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll go under the bus for something that I don't 100% agree with producer Chris on. But I'm going to give him the opportunity uh, to explain. We're going to go mano y mano once again. Because producer Chris, not a fan of football games being played on baseball fields. And I'm going to hear his explanation for that (laughs) next on the Big Show after this live local sports center. You're listening to the Big Show podcast on KTGR.com. Back here with Brendan and producer Chris. Bringing you guys into another long weekend, kind of, sort of. No Big Show tomorrow, but we will have our Tiger Game Day pregame show beginning at and that the big show normally begins, and I'll be talking on your radio, and Andy will be back talking on your radio. So, you know, what's the difference, really, right? We're just going to be talking a lot of <laughs> yeah. uh, Mizzou, Ohio State, getting your set for the Cotton Bowl, which kicks off at 7 p.m. tomorrow. Also want to remind you that later on tonight, you can catch the Mizzou Football Cotton Bowl preview show, Tiger Talk at 7 p.m., a little later after Ooh. the big show. Of course, the Cotton Bowl being tomorrow. We got some Mizzou men's basketball too, by the way, on Saturday afternoon. That'll tip off at one thirty p.m. on KTGR, and uh, lots of other good stuff as well. So uh, just uh, make sure that you have KTGR on, like all the way into Tuesday's big show. I agree because we've got lots of football Monday, January first. There'll be all the bowl games. Just like put it on KTGR and and never take it off KTGR. That's my recommendation. I just realized I'm just gonna do. I'm gonna be doing like a. Not like a live reaction, but an insanely early knee-jerk reaction on the sports wire to that Cotton Bowl. I guess so, yeah. You'll oh. be the first voice that we hear on Saturday morning. <laughs> the first take you get for KTGR about the that Cotton Bowl take will be, is coming from will me. Be producer Chris. That's right. And then you'll then you'll have to wait until Tuesday to hear from uh, Andy and myself. I think Tuesday will be a show I'm that we have. I'm the tastemaker so. for KTGR for one day only. You, you, you're not going to want to miss that line. at 9 a.m. 9 a.m. on uh, Saturday morning? That's right, is that, 9 a.m. Is that the number? Okay, there it is. <laughs> it's time to go under the bus on the big the, show. Uh, the evil laugh before hitting the button is uh, is what really did it for me. Well, okay, let's talk about this because you. it doesn't surprise me that you put items related to the Duke's Mayo Bowl on the <laughs> under the bus list for the day. But go ahead and give it to me. What's... 
What's going on with Mayo? Listen, I get what's, it. Uh, what's new with Mayo lately? <laughs> Ooh, I would like to know more. Yeah, so, like, I get it. It's the Mayo Bowl. You want to get, like, the little Gatorade thing and dunk the coach in Mayo. I understand. That's all well and good. Maybe have, like, a little Mayo mascot on the side as well. That's all well and good. But they just went so ham with the Mayo brand tank with all, like, the... They, they were serving, they like... They have to. They were serving, like, Mayo shots to, like, the commentator. Like, Dan Mullen just, like, chowing down on some, like, Mayo nachos. It's like all of it was just so Ugh. much like I not a not a huge fan of this one. I know the game was like. Do you like mayo? Like on a on a sandwich? Would you would you eat mayo or is um, that? It depends. Not a condiment of choice. If it has some kick to it, I'd be down. But you know, like mayo by it. itself. So yeah, I don't I don't do mayo. And I know they they dumped it on the winning coach's head, but I think he was wearing a hat, so that shielded Ooh. his face from a lot of shrapnel. But anyway, take your hat off. Be a man. Yeah, under the butt. Well, I can. Uh, you want to get dumped with a bunch of mayo? Probably not. That's, that's, that's what you get. That's what you get for playing for the winning bowl. the game. They should dump it on the losing coach's head <laughs> for being a loser in the bowl game. That'll get the opt outs to stay away. <laughs> under the bus. Under the bus. And under the bus, this is producer Chris speaking now, not me, but he wants to throw football games being played on baseball fields under the bus. They had the Fenway Bowl today. That's the one that Boston College won. Boston College got to play in Boston at Fenway. Nobody's using it right now, but producer Chris thinks it should go under the bus because... Uh, they also played the Pinstripe Bowl today, which I believe was at Yankee Stadium. This this dates back to, like, remember when the Raiders were playing at, like, the Athletics Field for, like, a couple of seasons while they were trying to sure. get some stadium renovations? They were playing at, uh, I believe, Wrigley earlier this year, Iowa Northwestern. Did they ever get the renovations, by the way? The Raiders? Did that ever work out? Um, yeah, they did get renovations, and they moved them to Las Vegas. Anyways, so, like, my oh. thing is, like, I get it. You want a quirky, fun stadium to, like, play football games in. That's something a little bit different. But the way, like, baseball fields are constructed, it's just not I, It's not what I'm here for, man. It's the, the field ain't right. It's usually not right. I've heard insane complaints from, like, Northwestern Iowa fans or, like, the state of the turf there at Wrigley just because it's baseball, darn it. You play baseball on that thing. You don't play football on it. It's different. There's differences to it, and I do think it messes with the game a little bit, even if you're kind of playing in a funky, different-looking structure. It makes sense for, you know, like, you know, kind of like stuff it. or whatever, but, you know. I kind of like it. The, you know, the old St. Louis Cardinals played at Bush Stadium. I think the Rams even played a couple games there their first year in St. Louis at Bush mm. Stadium. I think for a bowl game specifically, I like it. Because, one, we know the venues aren't being used in the offseason. Two, they are exhibition games, so any way that you can spice them up, make them interesting, I am all for it. And it does kind of remind me of what the NBA is trying to do with the the in-season tournament. Again, spice up games that nobody cares about because the NBA season should begin on Christmas and not have any games before that. But if you're going to, make it kind of interesting play in some interesting venues they decided we're gonna paint the court which wasn't that interesting <laughs> i still go back to saying you should play it in historic tiny little venues around the country have nba games at those venues just kind of like baseball is doing when it comes to the field of dreams game and then the cardinals are going to play in birmingham alabama next year against the giants in a field that willie mays play that like cool stuff like that i think should be what you look to do instead of what they are doing um, with with those in the NBA, but I think for baseball stadiums and football games, it's a it's a match made in heaven. I don't know why you want to throw it under the bus, but if you want to honk the <laughs> horn, I'll I'll let you. 
under the bus. Usually the repurposes are so lazy. Like, come on, man. Put some put some thought into it. Yeah, well, that's the bus. And I again, I only really felt strong about one horn honk today. It was the mayo bowl stuff. But I guess that's the, the way it goes sometimes. It's time for the sweetest thing in sports on the big show. The sweetest thing is brought to you by the Candy Factory. The Candy Factory in downtown Columbia wishes you and your family a very happy new year. And remember the health benefits of dark chocolate in your 2024 resolutions. The Candy Factory Online. Dot com. I couldn't agree with that any more than I do. Dark chocolate is the bomb. Okay, the sweetest thing is something I just learned about moments ago. Producer Chris is going to be the first KTGR personality that you hear from to offer up his reaction. <laughs> That's what I'm talking to the about, Cotton Bowl baby. On Saturday morning, it's a promo within a promo, right? The I, I didn't realize this. I'm a little bit afraid of it, but it is reality that if you listen to the Sports Wire... 9 a.m. Saturday morning. That'll be the first you get to hear from any one of us about what we thought of Mizzou's game against Ohio State. I'm very hopeful that that ends up in a W for the Tigers. I guess you'll know whether I think it will here in just a few minutes because coming up, we're going to talk who you got, Cotton Bowl Classic between Mizzou and Ohio State. We also, at 525, we'll get into play fate eliminate because it is Thursday, yeah. it is technically still the fantasy football season if you're lucky like me and happen to be in some fantasy football championship games. I told Chris, probably nobody is that listens to the big show because they've been following my advice all year. <laughs> but if you do happen to be alive in your fantasy football championship week, hit us up, 573-875-KTGR, with who you should play, fade, or eliminate, or just ask us your questions. You might not even have three options at this point in the season, but you want some advice on your lineup for fantasy? That's what we're here for. And at 545, we'll have our picks of the week on the big show, KTGR.